Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. We are looking at Mary Magdalene today. Um, so those of you who've been with us over the summer will know we are in a series of looking at key people uh, Has anyone fought any Goliaths this week? We had a great preach on David and Goliath last week. I thought that was very inspiring. Um, So this week, we're going to look at Mary Magdalene, and um, we're going to start by just debunking some of the myths. People get a bit confused. Which Mary is she? The Bible seems to be full of Marys, not very original, not very varied in their naming. Um, And then we're going to just think about particularly that bit when she's in the garden. And... uh, She's at the tomb and there's a moment of waiting. And then obviously Jesus speaks her name and reveals himself to her. So we're really just going to come on a journey, hopefully of seeing and of of spending time when we when we're in that place of waiting, whether it's like we're waiting. um, God, where are you? Like, I, I don't know you close at the moment, whether it's we've got a mountain, we've got a Goliath, we're waiting for God to act, we're waiting for God to lead us. Um, whether it's God I just want more of you I'm really hungry for you Um, what happens when we're in that moment where we're like are you I can't quite discern God in this moment that's what we're going to look at and look sort of take a pattern from Mary's life Um, I just want to start by so running you through a bit of Mary's life so if you um, have a look Uh, for those of you who aren't geographists this might help kind of picture where we're looking so you can see that white on the left the white country is Israel um, you can see sort of Egypt and Saudi. This is sort of current, present day. And um, so you know that that's kind of sort of east of, Europe, east of Europe a little bit. You get out there. And then that's like a zoomed in version. Um, and can you see, you see on the, there's the sea on the left hand side. You've got that Galilee, that lake in the middle. Can you see that? It's pretty massive. I've been there, cycled around it, took three days. So it gives you a sense of size. It's not a small little lake. Uh, it's not like any lakes you see in the UK. And um, you can actually see Magdala on the top top left of Galilee. And if you go to the next slide, you can see there again, that, that's it there. It's a very small little area. Um, I don't, I think it's just a ruin now. Um, but apparently Magdala means um, fishing tower. So I think Mary Magdalene, she's, that means she's from that place, Magdala. It's not her surname. They were referred to where they were from. Mary of Magdala and that was a a small sort of fishing port on the side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is where Jesus did most of his a lot of his teaching and preaching. He wandered around that area you have like feeding of the 5,000 but all that kind of thing happening on the hillsides around there. So that should kind of orientate you as to where we are. Um, And um, what I just want to sort of clarify for you is if we look at the next slide and Luke 8 we see that Mary Magdalene is identified. Her name is called out amongst a list of about um, four or five other women who it says they, out of their own means, they support Jesus in his ministry. Um, and it refers to her as Mary Magdalene, um, she who Jesus had cast out seven demons from. So that's what we know about her, that she'd had seven demons. What that means, obviously, is not clear. Um it might be that she was just really tormented. Seven was often a number of completeness. Um, so you have Mary Magdalene. Uh, we know that she's from this fishing port, which is probably wealthy. We know that she has some kind of means and she travels with Jesus from that point. 
And the next time she's specifically mentioned is actually when she's standing at the cross with Jesus' mum. So you know you might think, but there's that prostitute moment and there's the weeping and the hair. Um, isn't there also a bit where she's got a brother and he dies and rises again? Lazar- no, so, so those lots of them are called Mary. Some of them remain nameless. They're not specifically Mary Magdalene. And what's slightly confusing is for a while, the church did teach that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, partly because a mention of her comes and then you get that story about the prostitute not long after. And so there's an association there. But recently, in the sort of last 30, 40 years, um, the church has officially said they don't know. That's not the official line anymore. So just to be clear in your minds, Mary Magdalene was a lady who, I mean, To me, it makes sense. She's probably quite wealthy and she's probably not a prostitute because if she can support Jesus and travel alone, she might be a widow. Um, She might be someone, given she's she's a Jewess, it's unlikely that she would have money otherwise. But it's possible that we just don't know basically what her story was before that. We just know she was tormented by seven demons. Okay, so that's Mary and we'll sort of talk about her life. um, But as I said, the main mentions of Mary the rest of the time is all the journey of her coming to the cross. So I'm just going to read now um, from John 28, which should come up on the screen. If you do have Bibles, great practice, even on your phone, read along with us. Okay, great. So this is John 20, verse 11 to 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? What? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. relatively familiar passage Um, just to put it in context the other the the gospels on on this area um, tell different bits of the story and they're not necessarily chronological so we get other women coming to the tomb we get different bits of the story pieced together but just to run you through um, what basically happens um, Mary Magdalene is is definitely one who is at the cross with Jesus and is probably one who, um, in Luke, he mentions that there are some women uh, 
in the crowd actually following Jesus the whole way out from the center of Jerusalem um, up to Golgotha, which was the, the hill just outside where Jesus was put to death. And um, we know that he's had 40 lashes. So he's and he's dripping. We know he's wearing something because the guards then gamble for that. Um, we know that he's got crown of thorns on his head pressed in. Um, we know he's been on trial unfairly and he's been beaten up quite severely by guards. Um, and then he's carrying this wooden thing on his cross. And at one point, there's a bunch of women following him and he turns to them and he addresses them. So he's aware of his, his surroundings. Um, at, at one point, a, a guy from Libya uh, picks up, a guy called Simon from Cyrene picks up the cross and helps Jesus carry it. Anyway, so they process, they make their way out of town. It's not very far um, up to this hill. And then you may remember you've got the two other criminals either side of Jesus as well. So Jesus is in the middle. Um, and Mary Magdalene's there with um, Mary, Jesus's mother, and possibly a couple of other women who are mentioned in the Gospels. Um, and then John. Um, we're not clear whether any of the other disciples were there, um, but we know John was an eyewitness. So that's partly why we're looking at this passage, because John was here and John, John saw a lot of this. Um, what ends up happening, you may remember, is um, there's an earthquake. Uh, the curtain in the temple tears in two. Uh, Jesus uh, dies and um, the guards kind of get told because, oh, hurry up. Do you guys know what the Sabbath is? The Sabbath was coming, which means they can't do anything. They have to get it all done before before evening comes, before there's sunset. This is the Friday evening. And um, what happens is basically the, the guards are told, quick, just kill them. Just get them down. Get the bodies away. We just need to move into the Sabbath now. So um, the guards actually realize Jesus is already dead. And to check this, they get a spear and stick it into his side. And out comes blood and water, which means he's definitely dead. And Mary's watching this whole thing. And Mary spent most of the three years. She's followed him since Galilee. We know that from another verse in Luke. And she sees her saviour, or she sees this guy who to her was at least some kind of incredible teacher, master. And she's definitely heard sort of Peter say he's the Messiah and others profess that he has come to save the Jews. And she sees him dead. And actually, at that point, the crowds start to dissipate. It says the crowds start to ebb away, flow away. Um, but Mary and the women, they stay. And they see his body be taken down. And a rich uh, Pharisee, so a rich teacher of the law who had come to put his hope and faith in Jesus, he comes along with a, a sort of a, a, another rich man. So these guys are called Joseph and Nicodemus. And they come, they ask, they pay to take the body down and they put him in a tomb very nearby. And Mary stays and the Bible even says she watches that. They, she goes to the tomb so she knows exactly where he's buried. Uh, you've then got Passover. So, uh, you've then got the Sabbath. So you um, have m the women be that, that we're not quite, I'm not quite sure from the different accounts which women, but Mary Magdalene is definitely one from different accounts, um, go to buy some spices so that they can anoint Jesus. And that's part of the burial procedure. However, what's sort of interesting about this is we know that Nicodemus and Joseph have already anointed him with spices. So when they take the body down, the Bible explicitly says they, they, they have, um, I think it's like 35 kilograms of myrrh with them um, to then anoint Nicodemus wants to anoint the body before it goes into the tomb. So why the women want to do it again, um, 
that seems interesting to me in any way. So you get the, the Sabbath and they all observe the Sabbath. So they've all got their spices. They've gone home um, in one account. They get them after the Sabbath, so the Saturday night rather than the Friday night. But anyway, they get the spices and then crack of dawn, crack of dawn on Sunday morning. Actually, it says before it was light, Mary is out. She is out and she is going to the tomb. My question is why? Why is she going to the tomb? And we can see from this passage that she's, she's weeping. She is sobbing so much that um, she's asked twice. And she's asked by angels. And she doesn't seem to bat an eyelid that there are two angels in the tomb. So we know just a bit before this, just in case, it, just to jog your memory, what's happened is um, she comes to the tomb, sees that the stone is rolled back, sees that the tomb is empty, panics, runs straight back to the disciples. She's doing a bit of a marathon running to and from Jerusalem at this point. Runs straight back to the disciples who, and, and Peter and John then run out with her. They get to the tomb. They go, oh my goodness. The angels, um, in some accounts, there's sort of interaction with angels, but basically they then see, and it says, John says, he then believed. Um, but he didn't, still didn't quite understand the prophecies of scripture. So he, something shifts in John at that point. But they don't stay by the graves. They don't know where Jesus is. They don't really know what's happened, but they go. And Mary's gone back with them and she stays. And this is when this interaction happens. She is weeping and she is there and she won't leave the tomb. And my question again is why? So at this point, I just want you to reflect on how you would feel. Uh, if you, It's quite hard because we live in a very different era. But ultimately, if you were people who had followed Jesus and given up everything and probably look quite stupid in your community following this sort of outlaw, basically, um, for up to three years of your life, funding him, you put everything into this guy, you see him killed wrongfully for trumped up charges, you see his, you've seen his body be taken down and anointed in your traditional custom. To you, he's dead. You don't have an any other reason to think otherwise because your scripture hasn't been made clear to you. How would you feel? Uh, despondent? A bit depressed? What about angry or misled? Like he's this guy has, you've followed him and you're like, what are you doing? You've completely uh, manipulated me, basically. I thought there was more to this. This is such an anticlimax. I wouldn't have put my faith in you if this was it. You're just going <clears> to <throat> die. I don't get this. What about confused? Um, Mary is uh, feeling loss and grief, I'm sure. She's lost someone she loves dearly. Uh, but we know whatever she was feeling, she's not there because she's got this great faith. Like, we're all full of faith. We know Jesus is risen. Um, she doesn't understand that. So I still don't know. Why is it? Why has she gone to the tomb? And why is she staying there? I believe that this is her moment where her passion for her saviour, her passion for the Lord is driving her to stay near him despite whatever else is going on. And we sang earlier, it doesn't matter what I feel, it doesn't matter what I see. I know your promises are there and they're real and they hold true. And she, her brain, it probably doesn't register, but her passion for him is keeping her there. She, she is being held there and she's desperate she's trying to do this kind of practical thing so for all of us we all respond differently in moments of crisis so um 
when we feel let down or when some of us busy ourselves, I think that was Mary's response. Oh, I'll just, I'll do the anointing again. I need to, I need to do something, but I need to be with him. How can I be with his body? How can I find a way to be near him? And wouldn't that be the same for you uh, if you've met the man Jesus? I mean, how many of us have had that moment when he revolutionizes everything and everything changes for us? And, and we know there's that glimpse of something other, something that takes us outside of where we are. And, and, and we're like, yes, Lord, you are real and you are true. I mean, Owen was talking about our venue. That's a, that's a big thing. He is real and he is true. But personally in our lives, don't we all, aren't we all here because we have stories about the reality of Christ and what he's done for us? Um, and if we don't, if we haven't had that, then I would encourage you to ask him into your life. So, so Mary is driven by her passion for her, her Jesus, whatever she understands that to be. And she is there at the cross in the, in the garden waiting for Jesus. I actually don't think her coping mechanism is necessarily a good one. Uh, the fact that she's trying to anoint him again. Um, some people uh, maybe sort of express themselves creatively when they're feeling frustrated or confused. But the fact is she's trying. She hasn't stepped away from Jesus. She hasn't gone, fine, you're over there. I'm going to block my ears uh, and be annoyed with you. Um, I have a friend and uh, we do friendship quite differently. And um, when I feel like she doesn't like me anymore... Um, uh, my my instinct is to withdraw. You know, when you feel that someone isn't drawing near to you, that maybe they're off with you, maybe you've done something to upset them, but you just don't know what it is, in my heart I go, fine, well, if you don't like me, I don't, I'm going to come over here and we'll just have a bit of a standoff until you make the first move. Um, and it's very difficult for us to stay present and to say, I'm going to love you anyway. I don't really know what's going on for you. But how much more with Jesus? Because we have so many promises in the Bible. And actually, each of us hopefully have great stories that we've written down in our lives where we say, Jesus, you did this for me. And I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm going to wait and I'm going to be here. It's difficult. It's tough. But she stays. They've had that day of Sabbath where she's had to wait. And then she goes to the tomb and she's like, I'm here, Lord. I'm passionate for you. Her passion drives her. Um, so we're just going to take a moment to sort of reflect on that before we look at her response. And Joseph's going to come and read us a poem. Um. Uh, this is called Good Friday Was the Worst Friday. Today is Good Friday, at least. That's what we call it. But make no mistake, Good Friday was the worst Friday, until Sunday. I'm talking about the absolute worst Friday of all Fridays. The perfect, unblemished Lamb of God drank down our shame. And somehow we have the audacity to call that day good. Think about it. We modernists frequently ask, why do bad things happen to good people? And yet, on Good Friday... The worst things happened to the best person, and most of us barely blink. But of course, we don't blink because we live on the other side of Easter. We live in the revelation of sin atoned for and our Messiah's victory over death. We aren't nervous as Christ unthinkably marches to his death. We almost scoff at the unbelief of the disciples as they scatter and run. Don't they know what's happening? We balk. 
Don't they remember Jesus said he'd rise again? Don't they know it's going to be all right? It's amazing what we can understand in the rear view. So this, Good Friday, I sit here pondering in retrospect just what God was up to and how, maybe one day, in this life or the next, I'll be able to look back on certain worst Fridays of my own and see that God was up to something beautiful even then. Maybe one day, all of my worst Fridays will be Good Fridays when I fully see the glorious redemptive power of our God in all of its fullness. I won't lie. I've often been confounded why Jesus felt the need to be dead till Sunday. I'm sure there's lots of cultural and historical relevance here that I'm not aware of. But I'm serious. I've thought, why couldn't he just have been dead till Sunday, till Saturday? Why make the disciples wait a whole extra day? But now, I'm more grateful than ever for that day in between. It's almost as if God is calling out on us from the pages of the gospel. See, my child, you are not the only one who's felt like the waiting's gone on too long. You are not alone in your longing for redemption. You are not alone even on your worst Friday. Give me enough time and I can make this day good. Thank you. Amazing. So we um we're gonna we're just we're gonna take communion in response, but here's the here's the challenge, here's the question to you. Maybe you're here today and you're mourning the absence of Jesus in your life in some way, or you've asked him for more and you can't see him. Maybe you're having your own Good Friday to Easter Sunday moment. Maybe you're hardening your heart because of it, you're pulling away. Maybe you feel that Jesus is specifically missing you out. You've been asking for a fresh revelation of the spirit and nothing seems to shift in you. Maybe you've never fully asked him into your heart. You know, I think we all experience that at times, that cycle of knowing him close and knowing him at a distance. So this is a a chance now for us as we take communion to come forward and experience what Mary experienced. Um, And if we go back to verse 16... Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni. And Rabboni is this is this sense of um, a huge honor. It's it's not so you've got Rab Rabbi Rabboni, and and it's my teacher. It's like everything that I get it. I get oh revelation. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. So, so she gets her revelation. She waits. And Jesus, in his person, reveals himself to her by calling her name. So let's just take a moment as we come forward. Um, and we're just going to actually listen to some music. And guys, let's pray for each other. Let's be honest with each other. I'm not going to get you to stand up. But let's just turn to the people around us and say, yeah, I want, I'm, I want more of Christ. I want that passion to drive me closer, that I would be a Mary that goes to the garden, don't know what to do, but I am there and I am weeping my heart out, but I'm there for him. Let's be driven to be that person. Let's call him into specific situations that we're in where we're a bit cold or distant or unsure or unclear. We can't see what Christ is doing for us.
I'm just going to read you um, a little bit of uh, one of Spurgeon's talks. And then we'll just come, I'll stand to the side. And uh, if you're a Christian here today, you are welcome to come and take the bread and the grape juice in your own time. And please be brave. Just turn to the person next to you and just pray with them. And then we're going to sing a, a song in response. Okay. Perhaps you are saying, oh, that he were near me. He is near you now. You sigh for what you have and pine for that which is near you. You think not, like Mary Magdalene, that he standeth in this garden. You are asking, where have you laid him? While your joy and comfort seem to you dead, he, whose absence you mourn, stands present before you. Oh, that he would but open those eyes of yours, or rather, that he would open your heart by saying to you, Mary. Let him but speak one word right home to you personally, and you will answer with gladness, Rabboni. The master is come here, though you as yet have not perceived him. But is that true, says one? Is he really calling for me? Dear brother, dear sister, I know that if I say he does, I shall not speak without warrant. For when he comes into a congregation, he calls all for his own. He speaks and says to all whom he loves, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. I know he does because love always delights in fellowship with the object that is loved. Jesus loved you or ever the earth was. His delights were with the sons of men from old eternity. He loved you so well that he could not keep in heaven without you. And he came here to seek you and to save you. And now it gives his heart joy to be near you. He said, let me hear thy voice. Let me see thy face. For sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely. I tell you, it is Christ's nether heaven to hear the voices of his people. It is that for which he left heaven, that he might give them voices with which to praise him. Do you think he loved you so? And then we'll live without you. No, he calls for you. And Father, I pray just as we come and we take communion and we have a moment to, to press into you. I pray that you help us hear your voice. You are calling us even now. God, help us be brave. Spirit, will you block, break down walls in us where we've walled ourselves in? Will you lift us even closer to you? There is always more. This is never it. Thank you for your death and your resurrection. Thank you that we can share and remember it through taking communion. Come and be with us now. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.